Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the Little Crow ski team celebrates 40 years and Gopher football coach P.J. Fleck. But first... Governor Tim Walls and legislative leaders got a deal on the state budget this week, but not soon enough to avoid a special session. Bill Werner has a recap of what happened. Scott, this week at the state capitol actually started on Sunday night. We're here to announce an agreement has been reached on a two-year state budget for Minnesota. I'm going to clap. <laughs> I'm going to clap. The deal that the governor, Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, and Democratic House Speaker Melissa Hortman announced was a clear down-the-middle compromise. It was a draw, and it was, it was good for Minnesota. Senate Majority Leader Gazelka, Republicans get income tax cuts for many middle-class Minnesotans. First time in, I believe, two decades that we've actually lowered an income tax rate. And Republicans got the governor to back off from a gas tax increase. I think Minnesotans will be happy about that. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, I think uh, the celebration will end when they find out they're going to pay more for their health care. Said House Minority Leader Kurt Dowd because Republicans had to agree to Walls's demand for a permanent extension of the medical provider tax. In exchange, the governor had to go along with Republicans' push for two years of reinsurance to hold down health care premiums. And his expansion of Minnesota care is not in the deal at all. We weren't ready at this point in time to say what's coming next, that we're going to try and work on it together. And I, I agree. The deal being announced one day before the constitutional deadline for the legislature to adjourn meant there would have to be a special session to avoid state government shutdown at the end of June. I'm going to count this as on time as a football coach. This is just an <laughs> overtime period. That's all this last one is to get it finished. So we are on time. Yep. Senate Republican Leader Gazelka there agreeing with the governor. House Speaker Melissa Hortman said... I would suspect that we can get uh, a special session completed in one day on Thursday if everybody agrees and, and everybody's schedules work out. But foreshadowing problems in the upcoming week, House Republican Minority Leader Doubt said, I would guess probably five days at the minimum would be uh, as quick as we could get out of here, but um, we'll see if they're interested in engaging us uh, in some conversation. Doubt has additional power in this instance for two reasons. First, the Democratic majority in the Minnesota House needs Republican votes to suspend the rules to fast-track bills during a special session. And in the Senate, the Republican majority needs Democratic votes. And second is the bonding bill that Governor Walls and legislative leaders agreed on to beef up funding for roads and bridges. Republicans need Democratic votes in the Senate to pass it, and Democrats need Republican votes in the House. But Minority Leader Dowd said... I don't think that they actually think that they need us, um, but, you know, you, I can make it a five-day special session or a one-day special session, and, and I can include a bonding bill in that special session or not at all. So uh, hopefully they understand and appreciate that. Needless to say, the legislature did not finish the state budget before the constitutional deadline of midnight Monday. Senator Gazelka renews his motion that the Senate do now adjourn until Tuesday, February 11th, 2020 at 12 noon. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The motion prevails and the Senate is adjourned. With the regular session over, working groups started hammering out details of the individual budget bills under the watchful eye of the governor, Speaker Hortman, and Majority Leader Gazelka, who did not hesitate to step in to resolve inevitable stalemates. 
House GOP leader Kurt Dowd said, I'm not going to stand for uh, this dark of night, making decisions behind closed doors with no one knowing what's in the bill. The authors of the bills didn't know what was in the bills. House Speaker Hortman responded, There have to be some private conversations to close the deal, but we have been pushing for as much to be in public as possible. Well, there was less than jubilant endorsement, especially from some Democrats, as negotiators wrapped up a $20-plus billion public school funding bill, the biggest single chunk of the state budget. Maplewood Senator Chuck Wieger said that bill has improved over what it was before. It's agreed to, and eventually, you know, the democracy has to move ahead with an agreement. Republican Senator Gary Dames from Redwood Falls said he's a little disappointed there's not more reform in the school funding bill, but... There's some really good pieces of legislation in here for rural Minnesota. I appreciate seeing that. The bill gives school districts a 2% funding increase per pupil in each of the next two years, and funding is continued for voluntary pre-kindergarten already in place in some Minnesota school districts. And there was finger-pointing as lawmakers scrambled to figure out why a key provision to make emergency insulin supplies more affordable was left out of a finalized Health and Human Services budget bill, Democrat Matt Little says. We don't have time to uh, appropriate blame at this point. What we know is it's not in there. Uh, The disagreements don't seem to be about uh, whether we support this or not. It just seems to be why it's not in there. With the budget bills, for the most part, ready to go, Governor Walls notified lawmakers Thursday evening that he would call them back into special session at 10 o'clock Friday morning with a deadline to wrap up the state budget by 7 a.m. Saturday morning, the start of the Memorial Day weekend. But Democrats in the Senate and Republicans in the House were balking at fast-tracking the bills. House Minority Leader Kurt Doubt. I think it's uh, perfectly reasonable to say that the public should have time to review what's in these bills, and certainly we as members of the legislature should get to see what's in the bills. House Republicans asked for concessions in exchange for speeding up passage of the budget, but Democrats did not appear receptive. House Speaker Melissa Hortman says it's a great budget deal and she's not worried at all about it falling apart if the special session goes past Memorial Day. We'll either enact that into law uh, taking a short period of time or taking a few more days. Many read that dance as Democrats' intent to call what they hope is Republicans' bluff that to avoid dragging the session into Memorial Day weekend, they would agree to pass the budget on a fast track. House Minority Leader Doubt says... They obviously are moving forward with session, I think hoping for a one-day special session, but uh, I don't know uh, whether that will be possible. House Speaker Hortman said lawmakers have a constitutional obligation to fund state government. Well, there are other things in our life that are important, like family... It is a duty that we have voluntarily sought through running for office, and it is part of the job. And Scott, that's where things stand, as they used to say, as we go to press. So for the latest on this unfolding political drama at the Minnesota legislature, stay tuned to your local Minnesota News Network station. Thank you for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. (gasps) And we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. So come check us out. Check us out. 
And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As you know by now, it's been another roller coaster week at the state capitol, resulting in a special session for lawmakers to wrap up work on just about all of the key budget bills for the state. Special sessions are becoming more common, especially with a divided government like Minnesota's. And as Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz tells us, I think you can make the argument of saying that it shows that divided government, at least these days, doesn't work anymore. And I say that because maybe a generation ago, divided government did work. For example, at a time when the Democrats controlled the legislature and Arnie Carlson was governor, or at one time Republicans controlled um, parts of the legislature when we had Rudy Perpich um, as governor. Uh, at that point, you were able to, to reach agreement. But something has changed nationally and in Minnesota. And what's changed is that the parties have have sorted themselves out. And what I mean by that is that you used to have a point where you could have what? A a pro-life governor in Minnesota who was a Democrat, Rudy Perpich, or a pro-choice Republican named Arnie Carlson. But those days are gone. So the parties are separate. Uh, They have separate ideologies. They represent different parts of the state of Minnesota. And they really have what? fundamentally different views on the role of government in our society. And so now having this divided government really does make it difficult to get anything done. And we've seen this happen in Minnesota. Uh, Going back to 1999, uh, we've had 10 budget sessions. You know, those are the long sessions where the legislature has to do the budget. Of those 10, eight of them have resulted in special sessions. During that time, we've had two government shutdowns, almost a third one, and we've had major court battles involving the governor and the legislature um, over funding issues. In many ways, it doesn't work. And the agreement that we have now is just a continuation of what I've called this new normal, uh, a new normal where we can't get the work done on time, where the parties are, are fundamentally divided. And the fact that they got this agreement done at the last minute isn't proof that that divided government works, but yet again, a sign that there's something wrong out there um, with with either the politics or the budget process or something in Minnesota. Obviously, it's because of voters that we have a divided government. Do you see this consistent gridlock in special sessions and extended sessions? Do you see that contributing uh, in some way to a change in how voters vote to maybe try to avoid this kind of uh, divided government and gridlock in the future? Well, not in the short term, but clearly the voters have produced this. You know, we're at a point in Minnesota where you know, we have 201 state legislative seats, 134 in the House, 67 in the Senate. Um, probably there's no more than about maybe 18 swing seats in the House, maybe 10 swing seats in the Senate. And what I mean by that, 
the vast majority of the seats are safely Democrat or safely Republican. The voters are sending their representatives off to do a certain thing, vote a certain way, and not to compromise. And so the, the voting patterns and the way the, the, the voters have become um, set up in terms of how they make their choices makes it hard to reach agreement. The two parties have their their own special um, interest groups that represent that support them. And so we have voters, we have special interests, we have geography all lining up that makes it hard to um, to uh, to compromise. Now, we would think that the legislature um, missing its deadline again, that the voters would care. I actually have a theory that suggests that the, the legislature has now, what, eight out of the last 10 budget sessions missed its deadlines that I don't think voters even expect them to uh, to get their work done on time. And I don't think there's a sting or really much of a punishment anymore um, for maybe more than a handful of representatives or senators um, if they don't get their job done on time. So I'm not sure that going into overtime this year again will be something that the voters either care about or remember come 2020 elections. In addition to the divisiveness that you mentioned already and the different ideologies, I'm wondering, do you think it's, does it also have to do with the almost the unmanageability of all the money that's being considered in all of these bills and that possibly might be uh, a reason why it's, it's not realistic to think that they can finish their, their work by the session deadline? Yeah, I think that's becoming increasingly an issue. You know, we still have a part-time legislature um, following a budget process that's been in place for at least a half a century, if not more. And maybe 50 years ago or 25 years ago, when your task was to make a budget for a billion dollars or 10 billion or maybe even 25 billion dollars, maybe it was possible to get it done within the time periods imposed. But we're looking at what? A, a $50 billion, essentially $50 billion state budget with so much money, so, so many complexities to it now. I just wonder if, if, if the task is now so great that it just can't be done within the normal time period, no matter uh, how cooperative or how well um, the legislature and the two parties work together. It may just be that what? Government's becoming overly complex for the time and resources that the legislature has to do its work. Thank you to my guest, Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A well-known and respected water ski team in west-central Minnesota is celebrating 40 years this season. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right. Today we're talking about the 40th anniversary of the Little Crow water ski team. They're based out of New London, Minnesota, in west-central Minnesota's Candioi County. They're an award-winning show and uh, over the years they brought so much joy to so many Minnesota families across the state. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the team, and joining me now is Stuart Geary. Well, yeah, the the team has been uh, actually 
organized or partially organized for long before 1979. There was a lot of skiers in the area that worked together and did different things, but they decided in 79 that they would formally organize and name themselves a little cross ski team and, and basically just start skiing uh, at local, uh, local bodies of water. They skied on Green Lake for a while. They skied on what's known as the Mill Pond in New London. And finally, after a number of years of trying to find a home site, they took a, a, a area that was a garbage dump and a, and a cattle pasture along the middle fork of the Crow River in New London, and they cleaned it up and converted it into uh, a nice grassy forested kind of area with a beach along the edge of it and started doing ski shows there and it was a i mean it was a great attraction the the land eventually got donated to the city as a city park which uh it has a nice building on it now it supports the ski shows and they uh they continue to do shows there even today so it's been a it's been a great uh, developmental history. The, the club owns a piece of property adjacent to the park, and in that uh, in that property, they have just a set of garages we call them, just to keep the boats in and have a little clubhouse there. So we're all located right there on that little piece of the of the Mill Fork of the Crow River. And when we talk about the act, um, do you know, obviously putting on a production like this that draws in several hundred people, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier a theme or, or how, how do you put the show together? Does it take some time? Well, uh, we clean up in September or the, the, the weekend before Labor Day, actually, in August, we clean up and put away all of our equipment and we go right into September starting to talk about what the theme for the next year is going to be. We have a, a board of directors that is active all year round. They meet monthly. Uh, we have uh, monthly meetings of that, the finances together, and make sure we have boats to drive the next year and so forth and equipment. And then the theme discussion starts in the fall of that previous year. So in the fall of 2018, we are already brainstorming and scheming on what we we're going to do for this year's theme. And so, yeah, it's a it's a year-round process for a number of people on the team who uh, who want to continue to participate. And then, uh, you know, obviously, uh, this is a, a huge year, uh, you know, 40 years, and I know that you're going to kind of be kicking off the year with a, a Little Crow block party. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so our, like I said, our first show is May 31st, which is a Friday night, our typical Friday night shows, and we're doing a food show donation night so it's a free show and uh the next day that saturday june 1st at 3 p.m in downtown new london we're going to have a block party so it'll have uh you know like a food and beverage bouncy house for kids kind of a, a feel to it so we'll be selling things as well you know souvenirs and and tickets and so forth uh, for shows but it's a free event and a little crow is also providing live music for this event. It's in a city park in downtown New London that actually has a brand new band shell attached to it. And we're going to have uh, some local performers come in and play uh, music live for the three to seven event. It's going to be a, a really good time, a good chance to get together. We're on the water skiing all the time. It doesn't give us a chance to talk to the fans very much. So this is our chance to get together and really thank the community uh, for 40 years of support. And Stu, for someone that's never been uh, to one of your uh, water ski shows, what can they expect? 
Well, it's a great family event. People are looking for things to do as a whole family, and uh, they can come out and enjoy some massive pyramids. We, we pull pyramids that have 40 people behind a boat climbing on top of each other to form three, four-tier pyramids. We have jumpers, barefooters. Uh, it's an exciting and it's mixed with comedy in between the acts. We have to set up for the next one, so there's stage comedy. And uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine who has to, he says, I have to bring my grandkids because it is a, a, an event for the whole family. It's good, clean humor, good, clean fun. And, uh, and it's just, it's exciting. There's a lot of uh, high-speed action on the water and a lot of characters and comedy on the stage. Well, there you have it. More on the Little Kroski team uh, based out of New London, Minnesota. Thanks again uh, to my guest club member, Stuart Geary. Well, I don't know about you, Scott, but I think this summer I need to head that way and and check out uh, some of the 40th anniversary activities. Back to you. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. (sighs) We want to hire you. You're, You're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Golden Gopher Coaches Caravan got underway this week in Minnesota. Several high-profile coaches and athletic department officials visited Owatonna and Delwood with planned visits to Chaska and Alexandria coming next month. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm was on the road trip with the Gophers and sat down with U of M head football coach P.J. Fleck. Well, Coach, the uh, Coach's Caravan is underway again. It's an annual ritual that uh, you get to go out and visit parts of the state. Um, how important is that to, uh, to see fans, visit fans, shake hands, rub elbows? I think it's really important. You know, this is one of the only times you get a chance to kind of be around all your fans in different cities. Uh, really the, the lifeline of our program, and not only just in the metro area, but outside the metro area. I think it's really important for us to be able to connect with our fans, and they get to see us, um, tell us what they want to tell us, um, give us some pointers, give us some ideas, maybe give us a play or two. But I think it's really important for us to be able to do this, especially when the kids show up. You know, these are future Gophers one day. We want them to dream about being Gophers, and uh, it's a good turnout for that. When you win a bowl game and win the Axe, is the reception a little better visits like this? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the problem is now they want you to keep it forever, right? And uh, Which is a good thing. Uh, you know, we're so proud of bringing the Axe back to Minnesota. I mean, you talk about a whole statewide effort to get that thing back. And, uh, you know, it's back to being a rivalry again. And I think that's really important for everybody to understand. And that's what we wanted to be able, be able to do is ignite that rivalry the best we possibly could. And, you know, last year I think we ended the season losing 71-0 to the last two games. And, 
this year we were able to flip that, you know, and uh, I think we went, ended up winning 70 or 71 to 25 in the last two games, right? We were able to flip it. So, you know, it's amazing what this young team was able to accomplish last year. We're still young. We're the second youngest team in America now, but we have that experience now. And even though we're young, we're very talented, uh, but we're experienced. So that gives those guys a little bit extra confidence, maybe to lead and really connect this football team on a different level. Well, five weeks removed from the end of spring ball. Give me an assessment now when you look back. How did the spring go and what things are you looking forward to as you head into the summer from your team? Well, for the most part, you know, we needed to get a lot of guys healthy in the spring. I think we accomplished that. Um, you know, I think we needed to be able to get a lot of the young guys that are going to help us that came early uh, in January. We need to get them all caught up. And then we have to get into that, as we keep talking, that mastery of the system. Year one, we didn't have a lot of players who are even here anymore playing for us. Um, and so we had to be able to get guys to be able to master the offense, defense, special teams last year. Uh, at least know it to a really good level. Now we're kind of transitioning into that mastery, and I thought our players handled it very maturely. Um, you know, we talked about working a lot smarter, not just harder. It's hard work, the way we work. Trust me, you've been there. But it's working a little bit smarter. What does this particular team need to have a ton of success in the fall? Not just, hey, it's what we do, it's how we do it. I think that's what we do really well. We continue to evolve, and uh, it's kind of the evolution of your program. And this year is all about the framework and how can we get these older guys that are older that have been here a while to play at the highest level they've ever played at, but also get these young guys to be able to play at a high level to support those guys. So I know our senior class is excited about the year, and so is everybody else. You have uh, been in the headlines over the years for making creative ways to give walk-on scholarship. You had another fun week this week. Your punter, Jacob Herbers, uh, was uh, given a scholarship. Kind of talk us through, uh, one, giving him the scholarship, and two, how, how it all came about. Well, the big thing is, you know, we want to continue to create moments and memories, right? I mean, these are the things that last a lifetime for people. 20 years from now, you're going to forget the score. You're going to forget, you know, how many yards you had, how many catches, how many punts. But you're not going to forget the moments and memories that your life changed forever, right? And uh, the axe is one of those experiences we'll all have. But with Jacob Herbers, I mean, he deserves it. I mean, you talk about a guy who was tremendous last year in the punt game, um, you know, and, and you know, he's a, a, a perfect student athlete for us. He's tremendous off the field, tremendous in his community service, high, high GPA, and he performs really well and is a wonderful leader for all of our football team. So he's what it, he's what this program's about. He's what Row the Boat's all about. And if you continue to do all the right things, you will be rewarded. I mean, I think that's our 11th scholarship that we've given in 28 months uh, to walk-ons, but we want to take a lot of pride in that. Last one for you. A lot of people always wondering about the quarterback spot. You have two guys who have now won games, won Big Ten games, have proven that they can uh, do do it when the bullets are flying, so to speak. How does the summer work for them, and uh, what do you hope to see when fall camp starts? Well, they're both getting better. They're both pushing each other. Uh, I think that's really good to see. Would you have liked to somebody separate themselves in the spring? Of course you always want that. Uh, but that just shows how much better they're both getting. That it just the decision keeps getting harder and harder. Uh, but they work with each other. They don't compete against each other. It, it's it's a wonderful relationship we have on our football team in terms of guys competing. Uh, and again, it, it's challenging. Every day is challenging for them because you have to change your best. Whether it's quarterbacks or wideouts or BBs, our program is not easy. Um, you know the way we demand our players to do very well off the field, socially and academically, uh, as well as uh, you know spiritually. You know, we want to be able to encompass all that. Both quarterbacks are true examples of both, and it should be a fun battle in the uh, in fall camp. Very good. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, you too, Grammy. Roll the boat, Sky Ma. Go Gophers. Thanks. That's Gopher football coach P.J. Fleck with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. The Gophers finished last season winning three of their last four games, including blowout wins over Purdue, Wisconsin, and Georgia Tech, finishing with a 7-6 and six overall record. Fleck enters his third year on the job with the kickoff to the 2019 season. Minnesota opens this coming season on Thursday night, August 29th at home against South Dakota State.
That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.